broadcasting live from the phx.fm studio in phoenix arizona it's time for valley business radio spotlighting the valley's best businesses and the people who lead them Hello and welcome to the Arizona 100 podcast. I'm Adrian McIntyre with phx.fm. I'm joined as always by Abby Fink, publisher of the Arizona 100. Hi, Abby. How are you? I am good. We start every conversation this way and there's been about two weeks since our previous one. So a lot of water under the bridge. We've just had the hottest July on record in the city of Phoenix, America's already hottest city. Uh, and a lot of other things going on. What's uh, what's it look like over there? Well, um, it, yeah, it's it's ugh, it's hot. That is for sure. But I I was fascinated by our um, offline conversation before we got started when I asked how you were doing, and you said you're doing great enough. Yes. And I really like that. I think that's I think that's a nice kind of comfortable place to be. You know, I'm not fantastic. I'm not spectacular. I'm not awful. I'm doing great enough, which great tells me enough. we're just settled in for whatever's going to be. And, you know, tomorrow will bring a different, a different day. But for right now, I'm great enough. It's situationally great. You know, like we can't have greatness be some sort of unobtainable thing like perfection. But I'm doing great enough. Yeah, I think yeah. that's I think that's terrific. Yeah, things are good. Things are good. It's, uh, you know, we're we're mid August. We can I I keep saying we can see the end of the the super hot summer. Everyone reminds me it's still two more months, but we've already had two months, so we're on the other side of it. Um, you know, vacation plans got a little, you know, wonky, but we we figured some things out. I'm I'm looking for to do a few. Um, days out of the office and head over to California and just work from there. You know, the beauty of a work from home environment is home is a loosely defined location. So I can uh, be anywhere. And if uh, the 80 degrees is calling, so I think I'm going to take it on the road and go spend some time at my sister's place in California. She's a school teacher, so I'm going to let her settle into her new routine before I invade her dining room table and start working from there. So I think everything is great enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. <laughs> very good. You know, it used to be that uh, home is where you hang your hat. That was, of course, a very male dominated right. metaphor, which became home is where the heart is. And now I think it's home is wherever you got strong enough Wi Fi that exactly. you can do something. <laughs> You know, it's so funny. I had to upgrade my um, my router uh, in the last week. We had to do it here at home. I had to do it also at the office, and um, and that was the it was a interesting conversation with the with the tech guy. You know, do you want distance? Do you want number of devices? Do you want band? I mean, I'm like, I want it all. I just want right. it all. If I if I'm stuck here in my house. You know, and he says, well, how many devices do you connect? And I'm thinking, oh, I just have the computer. Oh, wait, no, I have two computers and I have the printer and I have my cell phone and I have my, you know, Alexa, whatever the heck it is. And so it's like there's probably six or eight devices that are pinging my router at any given time. So, yeah, I chose the most powerful thing I could get. And now I'm super fast and just amazing. It's I'm, great I'm better enough. than great. <laughs> when it's it comes enough. to the internet, I'm better than All great. All the good Wi-Fi. Well, the thing I enjoy most about our conversations is that the Arizona 100 publication is reflecting back to us things that are happening around the state of Arizona, whether in business or in community or in nonprofit world. There's a, a lens we get onto what's going on, and that gives you a unique perspective 
on happenings around the state. What are we seeing in this issue? Well, and, and you know, I write a column in each issue called Copper State of Mind, which is kind of, you know, the publisher's note about just whatever the publisher feels like writing about. And I was struck in as I was preparing for this issue about the word virtual, which has become so much a part of our conversation lately, right? Everything is virtual. We are learning virtually. We are having virtual meetings. We're having virtual ceremonies. Everything is virtual. And when we say it, of course, we are talking about, we think we're talking about as something that is taken to the online space, right? That we're, we're having a virtual class or we're taking a virtual, uh, planning a virtual event, um, which the the opposite of virtual is actual, right? If it's something is virtual, then actual would be the opposite. And so in a lot of ways, virtual could mean that it's not real. And I would argue that there is very, very real about everything that's going on and that virtual and virtually and however we choose to use that word um, is going to be part of our conversations, I, f- I feel, for really for the foreseeable future. And I think part of our vernacular for quite some time is we all have adjusted to this this new way of doing things and, and we're getting more comfortable and have adapted better to what's going on. So I think the virtual environment is very real and is very truthful and is going to be part of what we do for really for the foreseeable future. So that was my commentary for the issue. Um, and I'd be interested to hear what um, what others have to say about that sort of virtual, actual online component of our business structure. Well, it is interesting, isn't it, that we put the word virtual together with the word reality yes. to talk about the future of VR yes. or augmented reality. And the idea is the real is still there somehow, but it's mediated differently. It's experienced differently. Some folks would argue that what's happened with the COVID-19 pandemic is the acceleration of that future because the argument just a year ago was, look, this stuff is great and promising, but nobody's actually spending an hour of their day in a virtual environment. Like they're not coming home from work and putting on those goggles and doing anything for any sustained length of time. Now we're not wearing the goggles uh, or, or anything of the quote unquote VR tech, but we are spending a vast majority of our time in a digital environment with, you know, camera glass and wires between us and others. And at some level, I think we're laying the groundwork for a a breakthrough in our willingness to spend time mediated more directly by technology. It is a fascinating conversation. The question becomes, of course, as you say, what is the real when this other is more prominent. And right. maybe the answer is the same thing that always was. I think the only real difference in in all of this is really the the security, privacy component of this, right? I mean, if, if you, you know, you could, we be, could be having a discussion like this with our medical provider, with our attorney, you know, with our with our PR consultant, right? So there's a lot of, um, you know, the, the, in a lot of ways, I think we've lowered our um, expectation of some of that as well. But, you know, we do still need to protect and uh, make sure that our online environments are safe. Um, I've been spending a lot of time recently with um, some folks in the education environment as they all are beginning to go back to school and this 
whether it's a physical back into the classroom or whether they're doing a online remote uh, learning environment is how to protect the safety of the students and the safety of the of the classroom from you know whether it's it's evildoers or just in in the environment themselves that, that allow the students to have a safe learning experience in the same way they would if they came you know, onto campus. So um, there's a lot in this that that still needs to be explored. But I was I just it struck me how, how many times in a cup in a given day I've used that word and and what I meant by it versus what it actually means. And then what do I really mean when I say it? So I think mm-hmm. it's um, but it is part of our our future here is this this digital interaction and and the comfort level that we've all we've all created with it. For but what, sure. you know, and in, in, in the business world, I think the other part of this is, um, and I, I am managing this with my own team, is, is how are we ensuring that we're still creating culture and that we are still providing opportunities for growth and leadership and, you know, that continued commitment to the workplace when you're not in that physical space and getting what, you know, is, is always that encouragement, the, you know, the, the things that come out of conversations with your coworkers or the, I overheard you saying that you accomplished this, right? Well, that's not happening in the same way. So as business leaders, you know, what are we doing to make sure that we're establishing and um, creating that sense of commitment amongst our team. And and um, Randy Hall, who is a leadership coach and someone that we've um, featured on the Arizona 100 in the past, um, we have a, a piece from him this time about commitment and what it means to be um, committed and committed leaders, committed employees, and what that commitment and that sense of commitment does to create the culture in your in your office space, it's it's been something I've I've been talking with my colleagues that for a long time have run um, virtual offices, right? They have not had the bricks and mortar locations; they've had their workers all over. And um, you know, how do you create that sense amongst your team when you're not physically in the space? And so it's a it's a really interesting discussion point, and and he talks a little bit about you know what committed leaders need to do in order to create that sense of culture amongst their their teams. So I uh, it'll be something I'm going to continue to look at, and and we'll probably continue to talk about um, as this work from home you know stretches on a little bit longer than we all planned. It's certainly something that it's easy to take for granted when when you're not when it's there which is the 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 basic fabric of your work environment is a lot of informal interactions observations verbal and nonverbal uh, where you can tell if someone in the office is having a bad day because they walk around with a cloud over their head you know you can physically see it in a way and there's a lot of just casual information exchange that keeps people connected and up to speed on things like, okay, I'm running out to the bank. All right. Anyway, what do you guys want for lunch? Like there's just a way in which people are part of a thing and you can get there at at a distance, but it takes some intention. It takes some leadership. So great to have Randy weighing in on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that intention I think is really the, the important part. And the other, um, we have another, uh, small story on, Kind of the idea of, of self-care, right? We need to take care of ourselves in this way as well. And that it, it sometimes we put ourselves at the bottom of the priority list. And um, so we have some stay-at-home work-from-your-desk yoga 
um, ideas to kind of help you refocus and declutter a little bit and kind of just take a minute uh, during the day to, to, to focus on what you're doing um, so that you can be that better committed leader to your to your team. So um, interesting kind of opening paragraphs there in, in our um, issue this time about, you know, a little bit more of this um, thoughtful thoughtfulness thinking that's out there. But that is um, just a, a great segue into the fact that our community continues to be um, doing what it needs to do. I, I'm, you know, continue to be um, fascinated by the kinds of businesses and the success stories that we're seeing. We've got a story this time about um, v- virtual job interviews, right? Now you're going to have to do your interview for an open position with a screen in front of you. And the visual cues that you were speaking about, you kind of have to watch them. We've been talking a lot about this as it relates to new business development, the kinds of tricks that we would do to let the other one know, speed it along or stretch it out. Well, you don't have that chance to do that when you're when you're um, not sitting next to the individual. So we've got some tips on how to do virtual job interviews, both from the interviewee as well as the person that is um, conducting the interview. So um, as jobs continue to be open and there's opportunities out there, that's going to be something that um, people need to pay attention to about how to stay focused and and still show your best, put your best foot forward, which might be your best microphone forward, whatever the new plan is. Right. And th- simple things like eye contact, um, you know, pay- paying attention, reading the room, this changes. I mean, it's, it's still there, still important, uh, but it, it changes. Yeah. Well, and even the idea of where you look on the camera, which you and I have talked about before, because we tend to look down at the screen, but when the camera's actually up, so how to do that and pay attention. And your trick for me was, you know, put a little picture up by the camera. So I'm looking up at the camera, not down at the face. So still haven't mastered it completely, but I do my best. I do my best. So a couple other things. Um, the um, Girl Scouts has announced a kindergarten readiness program, which is about um, providing social emotional training uh, programs for kids, the little girls that are um, getting ready to go into kindergarten. Of course, those challenges with them not necessarily being able to go into a classroom. So they're um, focusing on the, the, the four competencies that are known amongst the Girl Scouts, and they have a four-part series that um, the soon-to-be kindergartners can take advantage of to get them comfortable in that social space and how to adjust to this and, and still make new friends and how to you know stay active. And what we know is once they get this good foundation, that'll carry them through as they um, grow and learn into this new new space. So the Girl Scouts are launching that um, right now as kids are beginning to go back to school. And the four-week session will continue throughout the uh, the next several weeks. So there's some information about that. Um, you might have heard, um, this is a little... Um, uh, full transparency, we're involved with this effort, but um, the there are uh, eight advertising and public relations agencies that came together um, to work on behalf of the um, governor's office to create a statewide campaign regarding mask use uh, relating to COVID-19. So there has been um, a variety of different creative campaigns that have launched um, all around the idea that, um, you know, we, we know that masks and other precautions keep us safe. And um, but I think what was so interesting about this was really the fact that these agencies 
all came together collaboratively, took the best talent that they had, created their own campaigns, and then together worked to put this out into the marketplace. And so um, they're designed to a, a, a target a variety of different of our community audiences. There's not one message for all. They are variety. And um, it's been fun to work with my, my colleagues at the other agencies. And, and uh, it's about, a, uh, about six more weeks left on that campaign. So um, pay attention. You'll, you can't not see it. It is pretty much everywhere, which has been kind of fun. Well, when eight of the top PR and advertising agencies in the state get together on something, you, you of course you're going to see it. By definition, that's what they do. I've seen some of the campaigns, and I've just really been pleased, uh, as you mentioned, the the sense of camaraderie between between agencies that are in a very competitive mm-hmm. environment, uh, especially at the top. But the sense of coming together, setting aside, you know, it's business self-interest or, or political views to do something on behalf of the state and the citizens of the state was very inspiring. Right. And they're all doing it pro bono, right, at no cost. And so um, it really has been a, a great collaboration. And and we're proud to be a part of it and work with our, our friends at the other agencies on on this important um, public health message. So we're, again, you can't not see it. So whichever, whichever campaign is targeted out there to your demographic, you're bound to see it. Um, just a couple other things in the, in the, in the, um, growth specter, right? We still continue to see things growing and expanding in our community. Uh, Barazona, our wildlife habitat out in um, the northern part of the state is um, adding a the adding a grizzly encounter, 40,000 square foot habitat, about a million dollars they're investing to um, house three orphaned grizzly cubs that they rescued um, early part of the summer. And so that's a cool expansion. I You have to have taken your kids to Arizona. We, we are annual members. We All love right. that place very much. Uh, it's such a cool experience to to be driving through the habitats uh, and be close enough to the animals that uh, you can have some pretty interesting encounters. And uh, the boys don't know about the grizzly bear thing yet. I'll have to tell them. This is super exciting. Here we go. So um, you've got something to look forward to in the coming months. And you heard it here first. And you heard it here on the Arizona 100 podcast. Uh, The Foundry, which is um, uh, downtown Phoenix, has launched an interactive website, which is offering art enthusiasts an opportunity to view and, and see their exhibits. Again, recognizing that some of us are not out and about in the same way that we were. They wanted to be able to bring some of their um, showcased artists out to the community. And so they're doing that through the um, this interactive website. So you can check them out. Um, schools are continuing to, um, or school districts, I should say, are continuing to invest in upgrading and expanding on their um, on-ground schools. So the Scottsdale Unified School District is um, modernizing Hohokam Elementary School. Chase building team is working on that project. So um, although, you know, we're not sure where schools are in terms of the physical attendance, we still need to know that those places need to be modernized and safe for the kids when they do come back. So they're working on that project, um, which was in the works before this, um, the COVID-19 hit. And we expect that to be completed by the end of uh, summer of 2021. So it would be the 21-22 school year where these kids would get the chance to do that. Um, Coolidge, out in Coolidge, the Nikola Corporation has broken ground. Um, So we've got some growth and expansion in that part of our state as well. 
um, the pot. Very exciting development, by the way, for from Arizona's manufacturing, electronics, and technology sector. Uh, one of the most interesting companies, and a direct competitor with Tesla in some ways, um, but also developing a parallel technology with broader application to long distance trucking and things of that nature. Uh, it's very cool to have uh, Nicola here. Yeah, I think, you know, we're, as we've talked about before, there are some um, sectors that um, regularly look to Arizona when they're looking for expansion and, and manufacturing tech is certainly in those top um, sectors that are looking at Arizona. Um, as a place to call home for an expansion or or a new build as they're as they're growing their companies, uh, the Pasquayaki tribe um, in the Tucson area received um, a um, grant from the Arizona Department of Housing, and they are going to be building a low income housing um, complex on the reservation in Tucson. About $19 million project uh, that's going to feature some mixed income, single family housing, um, really an opportunity for the tribe to reinvest in home ownership on the reservation, uh, keep their tribal members, you know, um, in, in quality housing on the reservation. It's one of the largest um, housing projects that the department has awarded to a tribal community. So um, that is in the works in, in the Tucson area and really exciting for the Pasquayaki tribe to have been, you know, received that. And then we round out our issue with some um, additional advice from our friend Eric Olson over at Fast Turtle, who helps um, in the uh, website development and gives us some helpful hints on uh, creating websites using the WordPress uh, platform. And, you know, as we continue this online digital space, um, even more important to make sure that your, you know, your websites and such are functioning and people are able to find you efe efficiently and effectively as you're growing your business in that space. So pretty diverse issue, um, continues to be a, a real snapshot of the type of things that are happening in our community across the state. As always, if you have something of interest that you think we should know, please let us uh, hear about it via our website. Uh, Email at the editor at Arizona100.com, editor at the Arizona100.com, and you can check us out on the website, Arizona100.com, and of course, our podcast, which I just so enjoy our time together. It's always great to have this conversation with you, Abby, but also to get this level of insight into things happening around the state of Arizona. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, you can do that in your favorite podcast listener. And you should also get yourself signed up for the email newsletter. It's 100% free, comes out twice a month, and you can subscribe to that at thearizona100.com. Abby, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Adrian. For all of us here at phx.fm, this is Dr. Adrian McIntyre. We'll see you next time on the Arizona 100 podcast. Mm -hmm.